I am told by industry professionals who have spent their entire career going out probing soil that for a long time, meaning like for 60 years and plus, we did kind of the same thing. Went out there with a soil probe, came back with a, a bag of soil samples and said, here's your N, here's your P, here's your K, and you need lime in two years. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We're talking today about advanced soil analysis. All right. We talk a lot about soil biology here in the last few years of agriculture. Nothing I just described in the old fashioned version of soil testing did anything about soil biology. So the point is there's this missing hole. We need to learn more about soil biology. What if we could actually test for it and see what's happening at a very microscopic level? That's what we're talking about today. Why it matters to you because soil biology is very important because if you're a farmer, soil is your most valuable asset. Al Toops with a company called Biome Makers is joining us as our industry expert, along with Kelly Garrett and his son, Connor Garrett, recent graduate from Iowa State University in agronomy. So we got the new graduate from the education of agronomy. We got the guy that's been out here farming for 25 plus years, and he's going to talk about why this matters to him. We got the industry expert, Al Toops. Anyway, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. Good morning, Damien. Thank you. Al, thank you for being here. Tell me this. What did soil testing look like? And we were pretty damn excited about it. After World War II, a lot of advancements happened in agriculture. We got 2,4-D. We got, you know, more mechanization. We're getting good at farming. And then we finally could test for stuff. Used to be you went out there, fling, fling the manure out of the tromp shed under the field. And that was your soil, that was your, that was your soil amendments. We got better at it in the 1950s. The problem is it didn't change much from the 50s until a few years ago. Take me there. All right, Damien, I like to start off with a little story. My dad was in the TV repair business in the 1950s and uh, <clears throat> changing tubes, changing, moving antennas on, on the rooftops. And uh, back in that same time frame is when Bray and Olson came out with their phosphorus testing method. And uh, <clears throat> you can imagine where we are now in technology when it comes to digital software and television and cell phones and all that thing. And that, and that, that, whole, that whole industry uh, we're, but we're still in the 1950s and 1940s when we look at soil testing. Uh, the latest and greatest was, was the Malik example of uh, extraction came out in the 90s, um, early 90s. And then we had, uh, you know, the latest one was uh, Rick Haney's test that came out right around 25 years ago. What is so what, the point? Okay. What, what happened when we came out with Haney's test 25 years ago, the new development then was? Looking at carbon dioxide, looking at soil respiration, giving more of a biological view of how the soil was active and alive. And that was, and that was, and that was big stuff. And now, yeah. what are we in? Are we in third iteration? Are we in fourth iteration with what we're talking about now today? Oh, I would say fourth. I really would say fourth. 
we know we really begin to start looking at micronutrients probably about 35 years ago, 40 years ago, and the effects of you know the, those by looking at the extractions with, uh, and that's what the Malik test offered was a complete analysis where you could use one extraction to get a really solid profile of your soil of your soil uh, chemistry. But we never had an honest, serious, stable method for looking at soil biology until, you know, the, the idea of looking at it through a PCR, looking at DNA and how, what are the functions? PCR, take it, wait, PCR. That's the, that's the mechanism that came out for, you know, we, with COVID and everything you're seeing, we're looking at uh, DNA extractions. So that's what we do. We look at the soil through a DNA extractable process. So we look at both fungi and bacteria. All right. Why does this matter to, you, to Kelly? I'm going to start with him and then come back to you. Kelly, why does this matter to you? You know, I continually want to get better. The current soil testing method that we used that, like you say, came out in the 50s, it's not, it's not repeatable. You can, you can take one soil test, you can move over a foot, take another soil test, and you, and you, can't, you can't replicate what you have what you have done in the past, to me, that's not good science. There's a, something like a 30 or 40% margin for error. Al can probably correct me on that if I'm wrong, but there's, a, there's an accepted 30 or 40% margin of, of error in those soil tests. I mean, how reliable is the data we're getting then? It, we still use that because it's the best tool we have until Al came along here and, and, and we had a relationship, but my goodness, as tight as margins are, as much money as it costs per acre to farm, and, and the best tool we've got has a 35, 40% margin for error. That's, that's just not acceptable. Yeah. Connor, I have a question for you, Connor. Tell me what, do we sound like old dudes talking about uh, this, the, the old days and how it's neat, what's coming along? Does this all seem like completely like, oh, these guys are talking about, the, I know this is here. I know this is coming. I just studied this two years ago. What, what's the, what, bring, me, bring me some 23 year old uh, perspective well, yeah there's a lot of exciting kind of different things that you know al's doing instead of just looking at the chemistry of the situation this this many pounds of this this many pounds of this we want to talk more about the biology of the situation how is the biology making that available how long is that going to be available what do we actually have here from a soil perspective that is goes way beyond what the old style was doing you know I'm really interested in those new technologies and what we can learn from that. Connor, I sat in that very office where you're sitting right now and talked to your old man and, and we recorded an episode and he said, you know what? I think we're going to discover that we might have for years. We just went through NPK on the field through NPK and it was generally inexpensive, you know, chemical fertilizer came along another great development that really happened after world war II, along with soil testing. Am I right Al? That's correct. Yeah. And, and it, it was fairly inexpensive until this year. And we just threw the stuff everywhere. And, you know, you want more crops, you want more bushels, more yield, fling more stuff out there. Kelly says last year in that very office, when I was talking to him, he said, I think we might find out, Damien, that we actually have adequate soil um, uh, nutrients in terms of NP and K and even some of the micros. There's no way for the plant to get it, and that's a biological situation. Do you think your old man is right in that regard, Connor? I definitely think there's some merit to that statement, yeah. Do you? When's the last time you agreed with your old man? <laughs> it takes time. Sometimes. All right. Al, Al um, is Kelly right? Are we going to find out? It's kind of like, you know, the better technology. We're like, 
good God, can you believe we used to do this? You know, like, can you believe we used to burn off the natural gas to get to the stuff below it? That was a practice, you know, like a hundred years ago. Is that where we are? Are we just flinging we it are. at it because we're not even taking care of the biology? <clears throat> you know, you look at the progression of agriculture and we are definitely at a point in time <clears throat> where it's an inflection point. We've never really considered the fact that when you look at the amount of soil sampling pulled, there's 10 million soil samples pulled in North America every year. And they're doing one thing, they're giving fertility recommendations and sliming rates. You can tell the organic matter percentage and all that, but we're, we're really not effectively looking at the true story of what's going on in the soil. And that's a digestive method of moving nutrients that the gut of the plant is the topsoil. And that's where we have to really kind of focus in on how can we better optimize our nutrient uptake by looking at it from a biological perspective. So yeah, we're on to something. Did you see 10 million soil samples pulled every year in the United States of America or in North America? North America. So that counts yeah. Canada also. Majority uh, of that's U.S. though, I would sure. say not. Um, and it ain't bad, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about how it's a little antiquated. It ain't bad. I mean, it's better than not knowing what's out there at all, right? Checking That's for organic right. matter and, and now soil sampling or, you know, cation exchange capacity and zinc and boron and all that stuff. So you're not saying that we're going to stop doing that. You're saying the next level is that and. Our report, our standard report is what we call a B crop plus report, which is a conventional soil analysis, a complete analysis, along with a biological profile. So then you can look at the comparison. What we have in the soil traditionally is a vast storehouse of unused nutrients. And the reason they're unused is because we've damaged the microbiology that effectively moves these nutrients. So if you can come in and inoculate and put practices in place that help open up these pathways, you can begin to start utilizing fertilizer that's currently on your farm that you've never even been able to touch before. So, so we're mining and obviously harvesting those nutrients. Okay, better soil testing allows us to harvest them. How, the testing then you're saying, here's this thing that's happening and then you make the amendments uh is that what we're doing are we making the amendments? that's right all making right. the amendments and then measuging those all yeah. right so you're working with kelly tell me give me an example so we did a complete soil digestion on kelly's farm i don't remember the actual cation numbers but if you look at the phosphorus unavailable phosphorus unavailable potassium look at the calcium you could see that there's high levels of, of continual use of these cations and i'm the phosphorus not being one but but specifically potassium and calcium you'll see that that sometimes they're in the seven, 8,000 pounds per acre. And that, that if you're, you're continually adding, let's say, I'm not gonna to try to throw this particular element under the bus, but uh, you know, potash for instance, and you add this chloride, this, this piece in there and you begin to start killing your biology. And therefore what happens is you don't allow those nutrients to be uptaken and you just build them up like year after year after year after year in the soil to where they're completely unavailable. The plants cannot access them because the biology that would normally nutrient uh, move those through the the uh, I would say the digestive system of the soil through the plant are not there. Al, you're and not so, like one of these barefoot bib overall wearing organic types, are you? I can be. <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not against using <laughs> using modern agricultural. No, 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 no. Our you. point. The point here is, Damien, is that we we've we've really. No, fertilizers are a necessary part. Efficient mm -hmm. use of them is what we got to look at. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the whole world is, is really wrapped around this idea that we got to add more to get more. And that's not the, that's not the answer. 
I think we could actually begin to really look at it in a smart method and find the soil functions. That's what we want to do with our testing. What is the functionality? What's going on here under the soil? And how can we better optimize the use of your current nutrients? <clears throat> that's, that's brilliant right there. Kelly, what's the, what, you started doing this how long ago with Al? Uh, three years ago, 2000, uh, the spring of 2020 is when I met out a couple of years ago. So you can, you said, come to my farm, we're going to do some soil analysis and see what the biology is like. And, and you're, you're like, sure, great. That's good. What'd you discover? So I'm trying to remember the numbers and because I, I've learned so much from Al in the last two years, it has really changed my mindset and it has changed the way that we farm and how I think about things, mm -hmm. you know, like Al said, they're trying to find an efficient use. I would change that word to say it's the correct use. And again, the old soil test with your 40% margin for error with Al's test, you can really identify and pinpoint what you need to do. So then you can make a good decision. There's so many farmers out there that have been uh, brainwashed into thinking, if we don't put a hundred pounds of potash on, we're not going to raise the crop. Right. When Al did the total soil digestibility, uh, there's 2,200 parts per million of potassium in my top six inches of soil, that's that equates, I believe, out to 4,400 pounds, right? You take that right. times. Yeah. There's 4,400 pounds of K, Damien. Yeah. My top six inches of soil. So why do you think you can't raise a crop if you don't don't put the 100 pounds of potash on? Yeah, you already got, you, 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 you yes. already got. You've already got. As you're saying you've already got 44 times more than you actually think you than what's the average guy down the road thinks you got to apply. It's, yeah, and and we we we're as farmers. We were made to believe by retail ag that if we don't put that potash on, we're not going to raise the crop. And how many times do you hear about a big farmer raping the soil and things like that? You're not raping the soil and diminishing the, the fer fertility there. The soil gets out of balance. Right. What I've learned from Al is I need to balance the soil. I need to improve the biology of the soil. You know, like in my soil, I need sulfur to balance it. And when I balance it, things become what, you know, I've got a friend that, uh, that we work with now with that plant food product. And he said, my, he, he's talking to me and he said, well, we keep putting on 200 pounds of potash every year, but my, my yields don't ever go up. And I looked at his soil test. His, his uh, K was very high, but his soil was so out of balance because he had too much calcium. And when we apply sulfur, it just opens things up. It balances it. And then it improves the biology and improves the organic matter. And there's such a lack of education and understanding from farmers. And that's, you know, that's why I wanted Al to be on with us today to try to, to try to help start that educational yeah, process. So it's not, it's not, it's not a deficiency of, you just gave an example. You clearly don't have a deficiency of potassium. You've got, no. you've got boatloads of it and it's not being available. Ver, Connor. All right. Con oh, go ahead, Kelly. Well, as Al, you know, when we talk about putting that potash on the chloride might, the application of that potash, depending on what's going on with your soil could very well be a yield limiting factor. And here That's we right. believe we need to put it on because we need decay, but the chloride is damaging your microbial system, your biology damaging your soil. And instead you need to be looking at it from another perspective to balance the soil. It doesn't mean you should never put K on again, right. but we really don't know what we're doing. That's my point. We really don't know what we're doing. All right. Yeah, we're flying blind and have been since the 1950s, really. Well, we're flying, we're flying, we're, we're, we're flying better yeah. than, that testing gave us better than what we had. Oh, no uh, doubt. No doubt. So, no doubt. you know, it's kind of like uh, a spoon's better than your fingers. And if, you know, a, a fork's better, it, it keeps, you keep getting better. Connor. 
Why, what, what are you learning? Are they, are they at, at the land grant universities, are they telling you about this stuff or is it still, because sometimes universities are cutting edge and sometimes they kind of fall into this thing of, well, here's what's been working for the last 50 years. And you know what, here's what you need to do. You got to go out and put hundred pounds of potassium on. What are you learning? Um, I would say they're probably definitely behind when it comes to balancing the soil and biology. It's still this crop removed this many pounds of this, this many pounds of this, you need to at least replace it or try to build it. But they, we really didn't talk about that. That's not available if the soil is not balanced. And uh, that's one of the bigger things I've learned going outside of my education. So wait a minute. Are you telling me that what we're hearing and doing here at Extreme Ag is more advanced than what's happening at a top 10 land grant university like Iowa State? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Wow. You know what, Al? We can almost just leave it right there, couldn't we? Can we almost just leave it right there? Uh, that's oh, man. Major statement. Uh, I love that's it. a pretty big uh, statement. <laughs> in, in defense of Iowa State agronomy, they have, you know, they, they obviously know Connor. Uh, they have approached us, and Iowa State is involved with Netafim and Agrison and doing testing on our farm because they uh, they told us they said we they know, we know we're behind, and you know we live a hundred miles from them, and they they want to they want to get better, and we're we're working with them now on our farm. Well, you know what? I can't think of a better segue than that right there. Since you just brought it up as one of our sponsors, let's hear from them right now. Uh, we're going to talk to Al and Connor and Kelly, but. I First, let's hear from Agerson. Hey farmers, want to save money on fertility without sacrificing yield? Harvest last season's nutrients for this season's crop with Extract, powered by Accomplish. I'm Damian Mason. I'm host of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve, and every day we talk about ways to be more profitable, to do better by your soils, and I'm telling you this might be the answer. Extract, powered by Accomplish, is exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. So contact your local Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant to learn more. All right, we're back now. So what you're basically telling me, Connor, is the ag retail industry is paying off people at places like Iowa State and saying, don't teach them this new stuff because they'll stop buying potassium. Is that what I'm hearing? You, are you calling it, is this, is, this a, is this like basically it's being covered up and it's all about the cash behind the scenes? I, I don't know if I have my tinfoil hat on that it's that much of a conspiracy, but that, I, there's probably some element of that. I, I don't know. All right. So what about the sulfur? Why does sulfur make potassium more available? This is stuff that, you know, this is agronomic stuff. Did you know that, Connor? Did you know that sulfur, putting sulfur in as an amendment makes the potassium that's in the soil more available? Well, yeah. When you have too high of a pH, either due to calcium or magnesium, your sulfur reacts with that to precipitate it out and lower it and make it more available, make everything else more available. Is the future of... Connor, is the future of Garrett land and cattle going to use more fertilizer or less and just use it more efficiently? I'm guessing I know the answer. I would much rather use it more efficiently and use less. What do you think as a 23-year-old that we've been doing wrong at Garrett land and cattle, even as recently as when you were in high school? Besides over applying fertilizer, is there anything else we're doing wrong when it comes to soil biology? Uh, all kinds of things. You know, we, we don't know anything about it really it's such a new new field in all aspects of it i mean i, I we want to learn how to measure it better we want to learn how to treat it better we want to learn all these things from guys like al and how we can improve that al when we talk about soil biology is there a way that you know earthworms microorganisms can we do something to just 
boost the life in that soil that adds that that instead of amendments with sulfur and amendments with this is there some natural thing that we're missing here is that's the where the regenerative concept comes uh -huh. in that we 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 let organisms do some of this work for us like god intended i guess is what the regenerative that's people say very very good question there's two layer there's two levels of biology that you got to look at in, in any in any organic farm I'm talking about forest soils to farm soils. Uh, you have a primary pool of organisms, and these are developed and come through the gut of organisms. The earthworms would be a good example of that. I've tested the vermicompost products with our method, and you look at the amount of biology coming out of an earthworm, it's phenomenal. We're looking at thousands of species per gram. Now, what these organisms do is they, they build up this primary pool. Primary pool of bacteria and fungi in the soil is essential to have good, healthy fauna. I mean, that's like your, that's like a bio, I would say, uh, uh, you know, a probiotic. So what happens is that the secondary pathogens and the secondary problems, if you don't have, if you have a weak primary pool, then you end up having these other problems because what happens is the only carbon source that's available to feed the primary pool is that living plant. And so you have what I call shredders. You have disease pressure. You'll have insects come in to kill that to feed the primary pool. So my whole point is feed the soil first, and you don't have the secondary problems. So yeah, these earthworms are essential. It's not what they're doing as far as aeration. It's what they're providing as far as biology. Kelly, in, in the testing is one thing. Then, you know, there's a couple of recommendations. Are you kind of now saying, all right, thanks, Al, you taught me a whole bunch. Are we still a long way away from all of the recommendations and practices that we need to do? I mean, is it opening up your eyes like you're saying, I, I got this biology now analysis and it's dawned on me that there's a lot of stuff we're doing wrong, but I don't know how to fix it. Is that where we are? We have learned so much and taken such a big step forward, you know, since working with Al and things like that. But uh, every time I learn one thing, I think I figure out two or three things I don't know. And this is a very exact thing that's happened here. You know, Al told me one time, everybody worries about the plant, be it the corn or the beans, whatever, the wheat, everybody worries about the plant. And if you understood what was going on in the soil and you balanced the soil and made the soil as healthy as it should be or as it could be, the plant is secondary. And we all worry about it in the wrong order, but we know so little about the soil. You know, it's, what's, uh, the space is the final frontier. It's not. The final frontier is the soil because such a lack of understanding there and knowledge of what goes on. And so, so yes, we, we've learned so much from Al, but what I have learned is I don't know a lot. <clears throat> I, we don't know. We, I don't think anybody does. So are we going to find out, and this is a question for whoever wants to answer it first, you know, we used to think if you uh, were sick, you needed, you needed the bloodletting. So in the medieval times, they'd take you in and say, ah, this person's got cancer. Let's go ahead and drain their blood out of their system. I mean, it didn't cure them, but they didn't have cancer anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> they killed them. But the point is, you know, are we, are we there? I mean, is that where we're like 10 years from now, we're going to say, holy this is like leeches for medical treatment. Who, I mean, is, yeah. is there, are we like going to find out so much in the next decade? Like, can you believe just 10 or 20 years ago, this is what we thought, or this is what we did? Is that where we are? I, I hope so, because I hope it happens that fast. Connor, what do you think? I, I would agree with that. But, um, there's a lot coming down the road. I think it's going to be, this conversation is going to be elementary and pretty quickly, I hope. 
that uh, it all spreads that fast that we can figure this kind of stuff out. Well, the frontier is, is this whole idea of nutrient-rich foods and, 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 and the farmer's position is providing that. And the big, the big food buyers are giving premium pricing for, for nutrient-rich foods as well. Yeah. So this whole regenerative agriculture movement is going to explode in the next few years. Yeah, and the thing is, people would think if they're listening to this, we got somebody in in, in, in you know Ohio listening to this right now saying, "Are these guys selling out? Are these guys going regen?" I put, talked about it in my book. That's right over my shoulder, right there. That the future is some of the best organic practices and some of the most regenerative things that we're learning and meets conventional agriculture, but going out and, and dumping, you know, gallons of atrazine on the field, we did that. And, you know, now it's the next thing or you know, going out and, and tilling the soil uh, five to seven times before we planted, then three times during the cropping season. We did that in the 1940s and we lost a lot of soil. So I, I really think that didn't I see once that the number of species or, or bacteriums, that have not been identified within a shovel full of soil is like in the middle. Isn't there something like that? Did I read this once? I, I, I don't, I'm not the agronomist yeah. that you guys are. So help me out here. We found with our testing, because we're looking at that bacteria that's never been seen before, because we've never really applied it. It's only for the last seven or eight years looking at this technology in soils. We've only probably actually identified 1% of the total soil bacteria species. I mean, it's vast. We're so not even got, close. Ninety-nine percent of the soil bacteria, we're not even sure what it is, and so it makes you realize that that's how rudimentary. Uh, and we're pretty damn good at production agriculture, but we're still apparently not as good as we should be, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're going to see all kinds of new technologies and and, and concepts come out in the next few years. Uh, Kelly, you said you learned a whole bunch that made you realize where you are. Then does it make you ask, well, here's what I need? Because every time I find out that there's this thing, I'm like, well, it sounds like this is what I need. What do you need? We need to be able to identify when the plants are under stress sooner. Yeah. You know, the, the corn will roll up when it gets hot. Well, the corn emits ethylene and emits stress for two weeks before it actually shows it. Uh -huh. So wouldn't it be neat if we could identify it and make some sort of an application to, to, to mitigate that off, you know, uh, to be more efficient? Uh, we need to understand how to uh, how to make the the biology of the soil become more active. We need to know you know what what products to put in there or not to put in there, because you know like you know I, we only know one percent. That's so, and you just said we're good at production agriculture. I would tell you for what's possible and the potential of it, we're not. We're not good at production agriculture. Mm -hmm. We're and we're worse at raising soybeans than we are at corn. You've, and, you've said that. You've said that repeatedly and i think it's, it's i think there's some somebody at the american soybean association is probably like censoring us right now because you've been saying that give the reason why you you think that you gave the example that in in your best year you did this but in your worst year it was this how the hell is it that close of a spread i think was your example so if you go back to like when, when i became and and we have we've gotten better over the last decade in 2012 we had a terrible drought and at that time, I would have told you successful soybeans were 55 bushel. That, mm -hmm. that would have been my expectation. Now my expectation is 65. But in 2012, in the worst drought in a couple generations, we still raised 43. Yeah. So if, if a terrible drought, I can still raise 43. But at that time, I thought 55 was success. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit in soybeans. And right. I, you know, I don't dislike soybeans. I just I want to figure it out. 
if you're watching versus listening, that means that in the worst drought that uh, the Midwest had seen in, uh, since 88, uh, in 2012, he was hoping for 55. That was target goal. Uh, soybeans, he did 43. That means he still harvested 78% of a yeah. of a yield. And, and so what's that tell you? That means that on the good years that weren't the drought years, we should have been better than 55. Exactly. That's that's my point. And, you know, uh, I heard a speaker one time say that you've got to identify the yield limiting factor on your farm. You've got to be adult enough to realize that it's probably you. And, and, you know, and that's that, you know, that that humbles me to feel that way. But I try to think I try to think without a box. No box exists because there's such a lack of understanding in what we're doing when we don't know 99 percent of what's going on in the soil. So if we don't know that, we are truly the yield limiting factor on our farms. Good point. Connor, what are you convinced that you're doing wrong right now this year in the summer of 2022 when it comes to soil biology at Garrett Land and Cattle? I think we really need to look more into how we're impacting our organic matter, our carbon. What can we do with that? Um, What can we do to feed that microbial system to grow that better? How can we be the most efficient in that? what can we do in season, I guess? Can we affect to make that digestive process work better in season while the crop's actually there? I want to take one thing that I heard from you and I'll take it to Al, because I'm convinced about this, but I want your the expert's perspective. Um, tillage, uh, I, I've, I've said, is going to become outdated. Uh, the most important asset we have, and we go out there after the crops off in October, in some places, plow it up and then let it sit barren and uh, exposed and uh, lifeless uh, for for six <clears throat> months until we start going out there again. That has to be hard on biology. Are we going to, in another few years, say, my God, what were we doing? Were we Are we harming soil biology with uh, letting it not, let, with all the tillage? Yeah, we are. You know, I, I heard this statistic the other day. If you look at the state flags across North America, I think there's 17 flags that have the moldboard plow on their on their state flag. I mean, we 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 think that that's the symbol of agriculture. And uh, what what we've done, I mean, what we don't really realize we do when we till that it, it extensively is we kill the fungal species. That mycorrhizal relationship on the plant root is essential to storing carbon. If we don't have that function going carbon is not stored in the soil. And so what happens is we release the carbon dioxide with tillage, we end up destroying those fungal relationships with the plant. And the first thing you know is you begin to start depleting your carbon. And uh, we can turn that around pretty quickly if we uh, just do a few things. Like Kelly said, our biggest problem is ourselves. We need to change our way of thinking and how do, how do we build this carbon back? That's the powerhouse. That's, that's the governor of our, I would say your, your equity in your soil is your carbon. The point is, biology and carbon go hand in hand. Let's go back to biology. We're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, Kelly, uh, you don't till anymore and your neighbors do. And then they judge you and you probably judge them. But the point is what we just hear right here, the worst thing we can do for the fungal and, and the micro, what's the word again? Mycorrhizal, which means root fungus. Mycorrhizal. Yeah. Mycorrhizal. Yeah. There's two forms. We'll talk about that in a, in a minute, but uh, it's essential that fungal pop, that fungal ratio between the arbuscular and the ectomycorrhizal are essential for storing carbon. That's how it happens. The carbohydrates from the plant feed these 
Mm. And we know we always think about what's going up into the plant, but we got to think about what the plant's providing to the soil. All right, answer me this, even though I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm all about cover crops, I'm all about no-till, and I think that's the future. But uh, the guy that's down the road from Kelly that's out there just, just tilling the hell out of stuff, as soon as that crop comes off in October, September, he's got the guy behind him, hired man, is with out there tilling it up. He's going to say, yeah, well, you know what? I get great yields anyhow. So what what the hell difference does it make? Uh, it doesn't seem to be hurting my soil biology. What are you going to tell them, Kelly? Great yields compared to what? <laughs> what? Compared to what? You know, he he's, you know, and you can't fault somebody if they're making a living and things like that. And to make a change, uh, that would be a very drastic change for a, a person doing tillage to tell them that they should go cold turkey and have no tillage. They're making a living. They're supporting their family. They're happy. Uh, it's, it's a safe, conservative decision to do that because change scares a lot of people. But that, you know, great yields compared to what? To what you made a few years ago or great yields compared to what's possible? I would say what's possible. No, you don't. I, I would tell you what's possible. I don't have great yields. One of my, and it's, one of, we don't one know enough. One of my favorite things about joining up with Extreme Ag, which has been now for over a year, is that uh, they don't do that thing. I always said, if you want to reinvent and you want to be relevant tomorrow, don't look at your competition. Look at the, the marketplace of the future and what the demands are going to be. And I think that's where this all ties together. The regenerative trade is coming. Sometimes it's because it's economically viable. Sometimes it's because it's what's absolutely right for the soil. Sometimes it's also because there's going to be legislative or regulatory reasons that we have to do it. And I hope that doesn't affect us. I hope we're ahead of the curve and we're doing it. We're, we're doing it, you know, proactively. Um, what about the person I want to ask Connor, the person that says, well, you know what? you got six months, four months of winter. There's no biology happening anyhow. There's no biology that happens out here in December, January, February in Northwest Iowa. Is that true? Well, it's dormant and, but deep down it, it, it's, it's still active. And just because it's not, it's frozen, it's not active there. You're going to strip all the food away from it. I, um, you still don't want to till it. Wait, when you till it and you destroy that biology every year, it's going to take more and more fertilizer to accomplish the same thing. And you're not, you're not moving upward in trajectory. You're just creating more costs for you down the road. And at some point that's, that's not sustainable. All right. So Al, that's all an accurate statement. So your thing is all about the biology and you had enough of a career. Are you looking back at some of the stuff you did when you came oh, out yeah. of Oklahoma state and you were Connor's age and you're saying, Oh God, we sure got stuff wrong. I almost feel bad about the stuff I told people to do 35 years ago. 1980s, we I took 27 hours of chemistry and got my degree in soil science, Oklahoma State. One class of biology, and that was plant biology, and uh, had no idea that even soil biology was even considered. Yeah. So, yeah, it was all about nutritional management, and uh, I'm sure that the university is still teaching that same practice today. All right. So take me to the next, take me ahead. I've been predicting stuff. You take me ahead and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, where's this go? Companies like Bioma Makers, by the way, not even a sponsor of Extreme Ag yet. Tell me what's going to happen. Tell me what we're going to know about biology and how we're going to make it better. How we're going to make oh, it we're just, better. We're, we're, gonna make, we're going to make Kelly and Connor more money. We're going to make our, our soil worth more money. Uh, and we're going to be doing things right. And it's, it's going to amaze everybody. Tell me, give me the amazing future story. I think the future is going to be, you know, when you look at that 10 million soil samples pulled, and that was all basically started based on this, when, when it really took off, was with the, with the implementation of what we call precision agriculture, precision agriculture. We're looking at, you know, uh, grid samplings and mapping systems and th things of that sort. I think we're going to realize pretty quickly 
and it's happening within just a few years I've been at Biomakers, is that the functionality of soil has never been really looked at. Efficiencies need to be happening. We know that we've over we've over fertilized and, and, and really polluted our, our groundwater and our streams and our environment with the overuse of these of these fertilizers. The future is going to be when it really comes down to it is is what's right, what's healthy, and what's most efficient. We want to get ROI up. I mean, when you look at the the, the amount of, of of revenues that go to the retailer, they're not going to the farmer. That's what's really sad. Yeah. And uh, we got to really take this back into the hands of the farmer and get him to really realize that the first thing he needs to do is take control of his equity. And that's his farm. Him or her, him or her, her or, or him or her, him or her. Very, very, very true. All right. And uh, that's the future. The future is going to be biological and regenerative agriculture. I see it happening. I want to continue to get better. And the more education that we get from the soil, the more education, you know, the more we talk with Al and things like that, it's pointing us in the direction to do whatever we can to make the soil healthier. Uh, that doesn't mean we're going to switch to become an organic farm. Um, but I would tell you again, no box exists and you just need to go where the data leads you. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I think this is a really good subject. We're going to hear more from in, in uh, the years ahead. And it's a good thing because it means we're finally actually looking at, again, this is a living organism. Connor, what did we get right? And what, what do we get wrong? And what do we need to do? How, how are you going to wrap us up? Take us out here. Uh, I think the easiest way to piss everybody off is to not agree with any camp. Everybody's got their conventional camp, the regenerative camp, the organic camp. And um, like you said earlier, we want to take what's best from each of them and do the best job we can all, all over. And we don't want to be stuck in any one camp. Yeah. And I'd say the soil biology, the, the fact that we're finally paying attention to it, I was actually gleeful. I don't use that word often. I was actually gleeful as the former soil judger wanted to be agronomist when I started reading about soil biology and soil health five years ago. The only problem is it's kind of like the word sustainable. People use it however they want. I saw a guy out just tilling the hell out of his ground saying, making sure that our soil is good and healthy. And I'm like, it's like hitting somebody with a, with a brick and saying, making sure that you can take a punch. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not sure that's what we're doing here, right? His name is Al Tubes. If people want to learn more about this, go to, where do we send them? Biomakers.com. Uh-huh. And then Kelly Garrett, you know how to find him. He's one of the original founders of Extreme Ag. He's in Arian, Iowa. And that's his son, Connor Garrett. Connor, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. You betcha. And next time, uh, next time we'll be talking about carbon uh, and, and how important that is. And you'll hear more from these guys, both of them. I'm Damian Mason. Thanks for being here. Check out all the great stuff at extremeag.farm. Share it with your friend. And uh, please drop us a line if you have a subject that you would like us to cover that we have not covered yet. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve. But there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.